Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I am thinking of a moment about four months ago, five months ago, last year, that represented kind of the apex or the culmination of our first year in the neighborhood and of what we are trying to just cultivate and um, the way we're trying to live. It's etched in my memory, this beautiful moment where we're eating on the floor, we're eating pizza on the floor in our living room with three of our neighbors and their little uh, two, two of them's a little boy. We're eating the pizza that we provided and we're drinking soda that our neighbors provided. And it's this beautiful moment. And it, this moment was a culmination of months of invitation and rejection, John. This, was, this moment was the result of months of conversations and times in our driveway on the curb, and inviting people, hey, would you want to come over for dinner sometime? Uh, I thought something going on, you know, an awkward deflection and rejection. But this day, we're eating pizza on the floor, not at the table. We're not there yet, but we're on the living room floor eating pizza with our neighbors, and this represented a win. It was beautiful because my neighbors were there. Their little boy was there. We're eating pizza, and Jesus was there. Jesus was there in a really powerful and special way. Because I believe that Jesus is present when we break bread together. That Jesus is at work, and He is at work turning the world upside down as we eat together. One meal at a time. And this is how this happens. Because when we eat together and we're aware of the presence of Jesus in our midst, strangers become friends, friends become family, and family becomes empowered for mission. Like This is what happens when we eat together. This is what happens when we're consciously aware of the presence of Jesus in our midst as we break bread and we sit across the table from one another. Right? We've, we've said this, we believe that as we pick up our, our plates... We put down our divisions. We put down what divides us. And, and we are unified by the very presence of Jesus in our midst. That he's at work among us as we eat together. Let me give you a, a little rundown scripturally here of how God is really present with us through the, the shared table, through the meal together. We see this all throughout scripture. Just a quick rundown from beginning to end of just some highlights of where we see God with us at table. First, invitation to humanity, right? In the Garden of Eden, what does he say? Eat of any tree that you see in the garden, except for one, right? But eat. The first invitation of God to humanity is to a shared meal to experience the gift and the fruitfulness of creation that he had made. God, Moses, Aaron, and the 70 elders write in Exodus uh, 24. This is just a little teeny verse, but before God gives the Ten Commandments and institutes the Old Covenant, uh, the covenant uh, makes Israel the special people of God and calls them into covenant relationship, he invites them up the mountain to eat with them. They have a, a, mount, a, a mountaintop meal together. 
You can look it up, Exodus 24. Exodus, yeah. Central symbol of redemption in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Covenant. What is the central symbol of redemption? It's a shared meal, right? A Passover. The Passover meal, which they enacted every year and participated in, and it reminded them of the character and the redemption of God in their life and admits and it formed them as a people the central symbol of redemption in the new testament the new covenant is a shared meal right the lord's supper christ calls his disciples together they break bread they they take the bread and he says this is my body given for you and he takes the cup this is my blood a new the cup of the new covenant for the forgiveness of your sins. Every time you gather together, you take this meal, you proclaim my death until I come. A shared meal is a simple, uh, the symbol of redemption in the New Testament. Jesus, through his ministry, like his, op- his mode of operation, is to eat with people. And to eat with people he's not supposed to. We're going to talk more about this. But he eats with sinners. He eats with outcasts. He eats with the rich and the poor alike, the religious, the ill-religious, He is breaking social norms and taboos left and right through the table. Jesus is revealed at a meal on the road to Emmaus. Remember, he's got this is after he's resurrected from the dead, and he's walking with these two guys and Emmaus, and he's they're depressed. They're like the guy we thought was Messiah. He's been killed, and Jesus is disguised. They don't recognize him. He points to himself all throughout scripture and then when they invite him in to a meal it says when the at the breaking of the bread he is revealed to them to be Jesus the Christ the son of God and then we come all the way to the end of, of the story of the end of the epic story of redemption and God what God is doing in revelation 19 Jesus is at table with every tribe tongue and nation and he is the host And they are eating together. Christ is present at our tables. All throughout Scripture, we see that God is seems to reveal Himself in special ways around the table through a shared meal. Now, why does Jesus eat so often with so many different people? This is we think like, yeah, it's just cool. Like he's a super nice guy. He just reaches out. But this is even more than just being a super nice guy, right? It's not because he's a foodie, you know? It's not just because he he loves different kinds of food and he wants to experience different cultural tastes and and just, uh, what's the guy that travels the globe, Bourdain? Yeah, he's not like Messiah Bourdain, all right? He is doing something, um, he may very well, I'm sure he loves food because he made it all, but he is doing something much more radical and much more subversive, and much more undercutting to his society than just enjoying food. See, in Rome, and in the ancient Near East, they're, they're in the Roman Empire, the, this is a place of a tremendous injustice, inequality, inequity, that the rich are getting richer and richer, and the poor are getting poorer and poorer. Only about 2% of people in Rome in the Roman Empire, actually experience what we know as the Pax Romana, right? The peace of Rome, the flourishing of Rome. Only 2% benefited from the wealth of Rome. 98% of everyone else was struggling to eke out a living. 
the way they maintained this social inequity and this, this, this system and this hierarchy is through shared meals that Rome maintained and uh, supported this, this separation of class and rich and poor through meals. They institutionalized these meals. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts eating with anyone and everyone and he starts eating with people that are sex workers and that are religious jerks and that are rich and that are poor and he's eating with women and men and he's just eating with everyone. This is radically like undercutting what Rome is trying to maintain. It's, it's subversive. It is radical because you did not eat with someone not in your position. You didn't eat with someone below you. You didn't eat with anyone above you. Jesus, in large part, he gets killed because of this. There's many reasons Jesus ends up on the cross, but this is one of them. He is subverting the way of the world, and he is turning it upside down. Every time he comes and eats with somebody that he's not supposed to, he's turning the world upside down. One meal at a time. He's changing the world. It's a picture of the kingdom of God because the world the way it is is upside down, right? So when he turns the way the world is upside down, he's turning it right side up. Following me? All right. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God appears around the table. If you don't believe me, take some scholar's words for it. Here you go. This actually, I'm related to this guy. He's my, my uh, brother-in-law's dad. This is what he says. The Roman communal meal was an overt exercise in power and discrimination that supported the Roman economic system. It's basically what I just said. The Lord's Supper was a subversive meal that reversed this Roman meal, proclaiming Christ as Lord over Caesar, welcoming people from all classes to eat together and equalizing all relations. Every meal that Jesus has turns the world upside down. It subverts this economic system and this, this, this hierarchy and the way of maintaining injustice in the Roman Empire. And we get to do the same thing today. When we eat together, we turn the world upside down. This is what David Fitch says, another professor from somewhere. Just as the first tables of the early Christians subverted Rome and Caesar and started a new way of life before the watching world, so this table, speaking of the Lord's Supper, subverts all other politics of American self-preservation, accumulation, and individualism. A profound flourishing in the kingdom results. Can I read that last sentence again? A profound flourishing in the kingdom results. What's our mission? What's our vision? To seek the peace and the flourishing. Thank you. I'll pay you later. (laughs) Seek the peace and flourishing of this neighborhood, of this city. The peace and flourishing of the world begins around the table. It begins right here at the Lord's table. And it extends to all of our tables. 
And God does this amazing work. As we pick up our plates, we put down our divisions, and Christ turns the world upside down the way it is. So I want to talk about this in three circles, all right? I don't want to get too technical here, but there's three spheres of life where we are going to eat together, and we are invited to table by the Lord. And the first, um, we say circle or sphere, is what we call the close circle. Not the closed circle, but the close circle. And this is right here. Some people call it Eucharist. Other people call it the Lord's Supper. Other people call it communion. I'll call it all three. But what this is, is this meal, this close circle, where Christ is the host. Jesus himself is the host, and he invites us to eat with him in memory, in remembrance of his great work on our behalf. And what happens when we partake of this meal, this is ground zero, really, for God's presence and for a vision of the kingdom of God. We take this every week on purpose, all right? Because we believe it is meaningful and significant every time we gather together. Some churches take it once a month, once a quarter. I say, let's take every week because this is what forms us and shapes us. This is ground zero for that radical subversion of our culture's view of other, right? It undercuts hostility and it welcomes hospitality. It undercuts like uh, rejecting other people and t- our, our tendency to hang out with people that look like us and smell like us and talk like us. And we all come to the same table, saved by the same blood and redeemed by the same God, Jesus. And so the close circle is where we experience the kingdom of God and the presence of Jesus in a powerful, powerful way. Let me look, look with me at Luke 22 really quick. This is Jesus. This is the first time he, he sets up the Lord's Supper. He institutes it. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And here it is. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, Take this, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks And he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me... Now look at this. Who's with him at the table? The hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this, who was going to betray him. And then, check this out, 
they're having this meaningful moment, this great, beautiful meal. Jesus is saying crazy stuff like, this is my body given for you. This is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this every time you gather together. And then they're like, hey, Jesus, who's the best? Like, I'm seriously, like, who's the number one apostle? You know, who's the number one disciple? Like, tell me. Like, look how many push-ups I can do. You know, and they're having this, like, chest-bumping match. Thump. Is that all right? Does anyone say that? Okay, cool. All right. So verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Like, who's going to go down in history, man? Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, this is the way the world works, right? The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you, but you are not to be like that. You work in a way that is different than the world works. The kingdom of God subverts and is upside down from the way of the world, right? The one who rules, the greatest, instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus uses all kinds of kingdom language. Jesus used all kinds of language around his, his presence. And here he says this meal This meal represents me serving you. The literal greatest come to serve you. In John 13, what does he do as an active demonstration of this, right? He gets on his hands and knees and what? Washes, yes, washes the disciples' feet. The position, the job reserved for the lowliest of the low of servants. And Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of all lords, the one who will be Savior and Redeemer of the world, takes that towel, gets on his hands and knees, and washes their dirty feet. He says, this is what the greatest do. This is what the world upside down looks like. This is the kingdom of God. And so the logic of the table, this table, is this. We come to this table submitted To Jesus. So this is no light thing. When we come to this table, we are saying, I am submitting my life to the way of Jesus. I am not living my life according to the way of Rome, of Caesar, let's make it more contemporary, of America, of Trump, of anybody I am not submitting my life to anyone but Jesus. I'm not submitting my life to anyone but the way of Jesus. And when we do that, we know that the way of Jesus is what? The way of service. And so when we submit to Jesus, we are also submitting to one another. So when we come forward, we're submitting ourselves to Jesus. And we're also saying, I'm submitting myself To you, brother and sister, to the family of God, I submit myself to you to care for you, to support you, to challenge you, 
to extend you grace, to extend you forgiveness. See, we are bound together. Remember, uh, enemies become friends. Friends become family at this table. This is a place where the kingdom is pictured, where all can, are welcome to come, regardless of who you are. Who's at the table with Jesus and Luke? Judas is at the table with Luke, and God doesn't, Jesus doesn't send him away before he offers him bread and wine. And he says, go, do what you have to do. Peter, who he knows will deny him three times, is at the table. The table is here representing the kingdom of God who is welcoming to all and forgives all. All who would submit their lives to Jesus can receive the forgiveness of Jesus and be restored. All things, this is the beginning of all things being made new. This is the beginning of the new heavens and the new earth breaking forth into this world. This is the beginning of the world being turned upside down and the kingdom springing up of joy and peace and justice and mercy. So this is the close circle. This is where the family of God is strengthened as the family of God. This is the place where the family of God says, I will submit to Jesus and I will submit to one another. But then this table sends us out and there's a dotted circle. And so you notice that Christ is not host at this table but the follower of Christ is host at this table. And we go into the world and we then eat. As we eat together, we invite others. See, it's not, it's, it's porous. There's room for people to come in. There's room for those exploring and wondering and doubting and scared and even rebelling to come and eat and to experience the way of Jesus, to experience what it looks like to recognize the presence of Jesus, to submit to Jesus, and to submit to one another. So when we eat together, we're not just eating together. When we eat together as at missional community, when we eat together in just a few minutes, when we eat together out in the parking lot, there is critical mass of people acknowledging and recognizing the presence of Jesus in that place, And we are saying, come, look and see. Taste and see that God is good. Taste and see a community that is submitted, not perfectly, but is attempting to submit to Jesus and to submit to one another. And they begin to experience this pocket of the kingdom and of hospitality and of welcome. And they begin to see that the world doesn't have to look like it always seems to look, right? It doesn't have to look like a world divided. It doesn't have to look like where people are are divided by color or by class or by what they have or by what they don't have or by their eloquence of speech or by their inability to speak or by their handicap or their um, athletic prowess, whatever it may be. We all come and are invited to the table and they begin to see that. This is different. The world is being turned upside down in this place. This isn't right. This, this goes against what I've always experienced in life. And so all are welcome. And that's what we're doing together as we eat. We're eating together, acknowledging the presence of Jesus, submitting to Him, and inviting others to experience what that looks like. Something powerful happens there. And then we have the half circle this is from a David Fitch, who I quoted earlier. He, he has this in his book, Faithful Presence. 
Um, but this is the space where we go and our neighbor is host to Hannah's um, story earlier. This is where we are invited into and we seek invitation to the spaces and places where people long for a kingdom, but they don't know that it's even possible. They long for a new world, but they don't even know a new world is possible. And you go in. This is, this is the Starbucks. This is the bars. This is uh, everywhere else where we go in and we submit to our neighbor as host. And the question is not whether or not Jesus is present, but whether or not he will be recognized and acknowledged. And our job is to point him out and say, hey, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Do you see him? Do you see him? And so we go into the spaces and the places that are longing for fellowship, for the kind of world the kingdom of God offers. And so this is what this looks like. This is our rhythm of, of, of life, really. We're, we, we gather around the table each week with Christ as host, ground zero of God's presence and, and kingdom activity, and then we are sent out to Christ's follower as host, and we invite others, with, where we eat with other believers, and we invite others to experience life in the kingdom of God where they see all are welcome. And then we go sometimes, because our neighbor is not going to want to be in these first two spheres always or right away, we go to their territory. And we submit to them, and we seek invitation from them. But the idea, hopefully, is we believe that the best place anyone could be is around the table of Jesus. We believe that to be fully human and to experience full joy and to experience life as the way it was meant to be lived and experienced is here. And so we go out and we host and we are hosted in, uh, in hopes not to convince, not to coerce, not to... Um, yeah, not to force anybody, but just to invite them into this space. Do you see the cycle here? Is it making sense? This is why we eat together. I can remember, actually, before I share that with you, here's this week's challenge. We're taking it one step at a time, all right? Last week we focused on welcome and opening our doors and making, creating spaces of welcome and hospitality. And this week I would just ask how and with whom is God inviting you to share a meal with this week? With whom is God saying, hey, why don't you invite this person over? And it doesn't, again, have to be around your table in your home. Go to a restaurant with someone. Eat with someone on your front porch. Eat with someone in your car. I did that this week. I bought a guy a burrito in my car. We ate it in the car. The table, the console, it's right there. <laughs> Invite someone to dinner at your home. Eat with someone in their home. Bring a neighbor a donut, which I've done, and I've told you that story. This is all, this is part of our rhythm. We're looking for ways and opportunities to break bread with people. I invite, and, 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 and we are empowered by this meal to go out and eat with others. And every time we do, every time we do, Jesus turns the world upside down, little by little, a bite at a time, right? And he's changing the world. I remember I didn't ask Arnell's permission to share this, but I don't think he'll mind. Thanks. 
I remember uh, being at coffee with Arnell at Starbucks about seven or eight years ago. And this was the culmination of many meals together and many conversations together and many games of racquetball together. And uh, I had been praying for him to recognize the presence of Jesus in his life. I had been recognized, I was praying for him that he would submit to Jesus and know the joy and the welcome and, and the healing that come from Jesus. And we were sitting at this tar- table at Starbucks. And I believe, from, in my memory, this is the day when Arnell, like the light kind of came on and he said, it just, I just saw it in his eyes. Like it wasn't like he gave his life to Jesus right there, but it was like he recognized the presence of Jesus at the table. And his life began to change, and he began to submit to him, and he began to live for him. And that was a turning point in his life. And each day since then, I've seen just him grow and mature and follow Jesus. And his life hasn't been the same. God is present at the table with us. And he's at work with us. He's turning the world upside down. One meal at a time. Father, thank you that you are at work. Thank you, God, that you're present with us as we pick up our plates. You enable us to put down our divisions and you enable a a new world to be pictured, to be anticipated, and even to be experienced. Lord, empower us to be people of open tables and of welcome. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are going to eat together. And this is preparation for the Lord's Supper. I will say this because look what I said, and I want you to just hold on one second. We're going to transform this room. But what we are doing about to partake in is is real stuff. We come to submit to Jesus and say, you are Lord of my life. I want to follow your way. And we also come and submit to one another. So everyone who shares this meal with us, we are saying, we're entering into really a covenant bond and saying, I have your back. I will forgive you when you mess up. I will ask for your forgiveness when I mess up. So take this time as we eat together to make things right with anyone you need to make things right with. I had to do that last week. All right? I had to do that last week. And I encourage you to really do it. If you need to step outside and make a phone call, if you need to take... Step outside with somebody. Don't throw, don't throw punches. But let's make it right. All right. Let's transform this place and let's eat together. Mm-hmm.